St. James. Welcome to the 1030 service. Glad you guys are here. Welcome to everybody who's uh, uh, watching on the live stream. We're glad that you're with us as well. I have a handful of notices to go through and then uh, two guest uh, speakers this morning. And so let me uh, try and hustle through this. Uh, youth confirmation class is on for today uh, till 1245 after, the, after this service here. Prayer meeting 530 tonight. And then the final new members class is at 630 this evening. Uh, 6.30 to 8. Uh, anybody's welcome to come to that. Uh, let me know if you're ever interested in being a part of that as well. Uh, men's Bible study on Tuesday morning. So there's two, two different things that this men's group is going to do on Tuesday mornings. One is that um, we, we've been reading some books about uh, you know, godliness and holiness and things like that. And what we're going to do is, uh, whoever's there, uh, we've decided to set up a, sort of an accountability group where we kind of lay out on paper the things that we're committed to asking God to help us to be better at. And then the rest of us are going to help hold each other accountable. So if, you're, if this is something that you would benefit from, I say that if, like, I mean, we would all benefit from something like that. But if 6.30 on Tuesday morning is a good time for you to benefit from something like that, uh, let me know. The other thing that we're going to do on Tuesday mornings is we're going to work our way through 1 Corinthians chap- chapter 1 through 4, and we're going to talk about servant leadership. And there's a study guide that goes with that. And if you're interested in being a part of the men's group at 6.30 Tuesday mornings, let me know and I'll get you a copy of that study guide as well. Uh, Tuesday night, the youth group has a prayer vigil, a, a vigil for life here at the church from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, anybody's welcome to join them for that. Advent service on Wednesday evening at 7. After the Advent service, we're going to have uh, desserts downstairs. So uh, uh, please uh, come hang out with us on uh, Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock. Women's Bible study Saturday morning. Okay, one more thing, and then I'm going to turn it over to some other people. Uh, Congregational meeting is coming up in two weeks. This is just our annual uh, uh, budget meeting. So we're going to be voting uh, on uh, to approve the budget for the uh, upcoming year. There are, there's an agenda on your way out of the sanctuary. If you haven't already grabbed one, there's an agenda and a proposed budget. So grab one of those, and if you have any questions, uh, let me know, and I can point you to the people who have the answers for that. Okay, two things this morning. The first is uh, Miriam Wolf. Uh, hi, Miriam. Is going to come up here and is going to talk to us about a ministry opportunity that she's got going on um, next summer. Hi. <laughs> if you don't know me, my name is Miriam Wolf. I am a junior at Illinois State University, and I'm a part of a campus ministry called Campus Outreach or CO. And I'll tell you one of the experiences I had this past summer called SMP, or the Summer Mountain Project. And I'll be doing this again this coming summer, but I will be a leader. But anyways, so what the Summer Mountain Project is, is it's placed in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. We're there for the entire summer. It was me and about 60 other college students from four other colleges. And what it is, is we work three days a week at Dollywood, 
And then when we're not working at Dollywood, we do biblical trainings and word trainings and evangelism trainings. And we're partnered with the church there, so we do activities with them as well. But I'll give you a little anecdote of the evangelism training because that's one of the places I grew most in. I've never done anything like this before, and so it was all very new, and it was a little scary, but I'll give you a story that really impacted me while I was doing it. So we every Friday what we do is we go to the Gatlinburg Strip, which is very touristy, lots of people, and I was it was me and two others, because we're usually in pairs or threes, and what it is is you usually just have a conversation with someone, and you get to know them and hopefully can share the gospel with them by the end. And so this particular night, we're walking down, there's this one hill that we've all had bad experiences on, but we're like, well, let's make a good memory. <laughs> and so we went up this hill, and there's this woman sitting on a bench, and we're like, okay, let's try her. And so we went up to her, introduced ourselves, why we were there, like our purpose, and she just gets real quiet and looks at us and says, actually, I've just been diagnosed with cancer and I am searching for something. And so me and my two friends, it was chills, and we just realized, like, this is a soul that you have in front of you and you have the chance to show them love. And so that's what we did. And we talked with her, got to know her life story, the sorrow she's been through, and the sorrow she was going through. And I shared the gospel with her. And you know in those moments, like, it's not you. It wasn't me. It wasn't the people I was with. Like, that was the Holy Spirit. And her name was Angie. She let us pray with her and over her at the end. And... Um, we gave her advice about finding a community, and then that's really all you could do, and we had to walk away. But I still think about her. Um, I still pray for her, and you know all you can do is plant that seed, and God's the one who grows it. But um, that was a little of my experience at SMP, and I'll be doing that again. But as a leader, and if you ever had the chance to do something like this, I highly recommended it. recommend it. I've never grown so much, um, probably the most I've ever grown in a summer. So, yeah, that's it. But Okay, good morning. In your bulletin, there is a little insert that looks like this from Right Now Media. Our church has purchased a subscription to this online library that is now available to you completely free. You will be receiving an email today around 11 o'clock, if we have your email on file, inviting you to join this, this online group to set up an account so that you can now access over 20,000 videos that are all meant to help you develop and grow your spiritual faith in your walk with Christ. The library is huge. Like I said, over 20,000 videos. Of those, 2,000 of them are geared towards kids alone. They even have Veggie Tales episodes, moms and dads, if you're wanting to get access to that. 
Our youth group uses this Right Now Media. We've been using it um, this last year. I've used it in Sunday school teaching. We recently just finished a study on the book of Judges. And what this app does is it gave me like a 12-week lesson plan. And I had printouts, I had leader guides, I had everything I needed to prepare for the study to read in advance to come up with um, questions and little games we could play if we wanted to do that. And then it takes us through, there's youth handouts that they can also look at and they can write on if they want to or take home. But then the videos are amazing. They're about 15 to 20 minutes. It varies depending on the different uh, content that you access. And then what in the youth videos, a lot of times they will have teenagers share their own life story. Like you just heard Miriam sharing hers. And it's real interviews with people struggling with life or going through things that we can all relate to. This content is now available to you. If you're watching online, in the bottom left-hand corner of the screen, there's a QR code that you can scan with your phone's camera, and then it will launch you straight to the website where you can start your profile and log in for that content. If you do not get an email around 11 or so, you can go to the church website, stjamesglencarbon.org slash rightnowmedia. That will launch you straight to the login screen as well. Or there'll be a banner you can click on from our website to get access to. I highly recommend it. This is a great tool for a personal Bible study in your home to create small group Bible study with friends. You can find a video, call up your friends and say, hey, let's do this together. Come to my house. We're going to meet on Wednesday. You know, whatever it is that you do that works for you. Get your family connected. Get yourself connected. Bring your friends in. And I really think you're going to enjoy what's available. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you, Stacy. Be looking for that email to sign up for that. And it's, it's ours. It's the church's. So if you want it, it's free for you to use as you, uh, as you can best profit from it. Okay, can you stand with me? And I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll continue with worship. Let's pray. Father, our prayer always is, but especially now this time of the church year, our prayer is, uh, come Lord Jesus. We want you to come and rescue us. We want you to uh, meet us in the preaching of your word. We want you to meet us in uh, your holy sacrament. We want you to come, Jesus, to earth and make all things new again. Father, we need you so desperately. We've tried to do things on our own, and we've botched them, uh, all of us. And we need you to come and make, uh, make it right, to put things back together again the way that you want them to be. Do this for your own glory and for our good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Let's pray and ask God to forgive our sins. Some of you will recognize a lot of this prayer. It's one of our common prayers of confession. It's actually, uh, it's, it's one of our prayers that's been uh, sort of uh, tweaked. It's a prayer that's, uh, that uh, pastors are encouraged to pray as their prayer of confession. But I think it works for a lot of us, and it's pretty good. So let's pray this together. O oh, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities. Especially do I acknowledge my neglect of prayer, my indifference to your word, and my seeking after worldly luxury and self-promotion. I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. And I pray of your boundless mercy and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death 
of Your beloved Son, forgive me all my sins and be gracious and merciful to me. Cleanse me through Your Spirit by the blood of Jesus Christ and give me more and more power and willingness to strive after holiness. For You have called me to be holy and blameless before You in love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Because of Jesus, God has forgiven all our sin. Hear the Gospel of Christ from 1 John. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He's the expiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Please stay standing for the first hymn. Church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. Wish Bro. 
Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. You may be seated. Jeremiah, uh, the prophet Jeremiah writes a pretty dark, uh, a pretty dark book filled with all, all kinds of uh, brokenness and misery. Uh, he's, uh, you know, rightly called the weeping prophet. But right in the middle of the prophet Jeremiah is three chapters, uh, yeah, three chapters that are revolve around this new covenant that God plans to make with his people when he redeems them and makes all things new someday. And this reading here comes from that. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. P please stand with me for the gospel reading. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 19. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that's called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent, away, so those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Oh, 
epistle reading this morning, uh, which is also the sermon text, is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul says this, "Uh, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, uh, first Sunday of the church year, uh, we spend the four weeks, traditionally the four weeks before Christmas, thinking about Christ returning. And uh, when we think about it from an Old Testament perspective, we think about Christ coming that first uh, Christmas, 2,000 years ago. We think about it from our perspective, we're uh, uh, thinking about Christ coming and returning uh, someday and making all things new. And uh, this text fits into that because uh, you can see the very last line there. Uh, Paul speaks of the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. But that's, uh, you know, the, the, coming, the second coming of Jesus is not the main theme of this text. The main theme of this text that we just read is Christian community. A Christian unity, not in the sense that like people agree and get along. That's a lot of times we talk about Christian unity, and we just mean, oh, like God help us not fight. Well, that's, that's just sort of like baseline. Uh, what it's talking about is oneness, oneness in the body of Christ, and that being that being a mode, that being the fuel to carry us forward towards the second coming of Jesus. But the main theme of this, actually, the main theme of First Thessalonians is Paul's desire to be with them. Christian community, Uh, the desire of Paul to be with them and Paul recognizing their desire to be with him. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about uh, what this text can tell us about what Christian unity, Christian community can do for us. Are you you involved in Christian community? Do you have Christian brothers and sisters in your life to whom you belong? I don't mean do you come to church. I mean, obviously you guys are sitting here, you're coming to church. I mean, are you knee-deep in other people's lives in a way that leads you to Jesus, in a way that reflects who Jesus is? This is actually non-negotiable. It's not an American value. American values, Americans value privacy, and they usually consume their Christianity as intellectual content, much the same way that we consume our Netflix. But what we're talking about here is what the Bible's vision, what Jesus' vision is for the body of Christ, that you exist for the sake of others and others exist for the sake of you. What can that do for us? There's four things in this text. And um, we're going to work through them. The first two are kind of longish, and the second two are, are, are pretty quick. Just giving you a heads up so you can time this thing out if you'd like. Uh, community, Christian community. What does it do for us? Christian, Christian community is how God grows us in faith. Christian community is how God grows us in holiness. Christian community is how God grows us in perseverance. And then finally, Christian community is how God grows us in praise. And Christian community is essential for all four of these to work. If you think that I can be a Christian without being involved in Christian community, you're sadly mistaken. Now, thankfully, the grace of God is super powerful and can override all kinds of our missteps and uh, bad notions and bad motives. So I'm not at all saying that if you're not involved in Christian community, you're not a Christian. But I am saying that you're not experiencing the fullness of your relationship with Christ. And some of you feel it. Some of you feel that you're not connected to God like you wish you were. You feel a gap there. The solution, almost always in the New Testament, is Christian community. Let me show you what I mean. First of all, Christian community is the way that God grows us in faith. Look what Paul says here in verse 10. 
He says, uh, you know, he's saying, what Thanksgiving can we return to God for you? Uh, verse 9 and 10, a long, one long rhetorical question. You can see the question mark at the end of verse 10. And the rhetorical question is, uh, you know, how can we possibly give enough praise for how happy we are with you? And um, I long to be with you. I long to see your face. Verse 10, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. So Paul's writing to this church in Thessalonica and says, I want to be with you face to face so that I can supply what's lacking in your faith. Now, so, so what does he mean by that? What is, let's start off by asking this. What is lacking in their faith? What do they not have in their faith? And he doesn't say, in the rest of the letter, he assumes they have faith. In chapter 1, verse 3, all the way back at the very beginning, he actually applauds them for their faith. He says this, um, you know, I mentioned you in my prayers. Remember before our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love. He, sa he says you guys have faith, and the faith has produced good works. So it's not that pa Paul doesn't think that they're not Christians. He doesn't think that they don't have faith. He wants to fill up what's lacking in their faith. Now, this is hard for us because you and I think of faith as content. Like, so what is it that they're not understanding that Paul's going to help them with? That's not what faith is, though. They have the understanding. What about their, their, their personal commitment to Jesus? Are they, are they weakened? No, they're personally committed to Jesus. But there's part of their faith that is missing that Paul wants to meet. Now, this, isn't in your, this is not in the bulletin, but I'm going to back up like three verses and start at verse 6. And, and this is going to help us understand what Paul means by faith. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, so you know Paul is far away from the church of Thessalonica. He's kind of worried about them. He sends Timothy, uh, who's a friend of his and a co-worker of his, to the church of Thessalonica to find out how are they doing? Are they still believing in Jesus? You know, how do they feel about me? He's even concerned about their personal feelings. About him. Timothy comes back and reports they're solid. They're loving Jesus. They're staying faithful. They love you and they miss you. Paul writes this letter super excited that, that this church is still into him and still believing in Jesus. And he says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith, so Timothy has reported back to Paul and said, these people have faith. So when Paul wants to fill up what's lacking in their faith, it's not that he thinks that they don't have faith. They certainly do have faith. It's actually making him happy and giving him comfort and joy. And reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all my distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Paul says this, I'm so encouraged by the fact that your faith in Jesus is strong that whenever I have affliction, whenever I'm persecuted, or whenever I'm, I'm suffering or oppressed or whatever, I can think about your faith in Jesus and it brings me hope and comfort. So whatever else Paul thinks about their faith, he is totally encouraged that they are faithful to Jesus. So what does it mean then? That Paul wants to fill up what's lacking in their faith. Well, he doesn't give us any content because the issue isn't content. The issue is that what's missing from their faith is, check it out, what's missing from their faith is Paul. Paul wants to be with them because their faith is complete when they are together. Now, like I said, this is not the way we Westerners think of faith. We think of faith as personal and private, and mainly it's in here or in here, but it's like ours. And what Paul is saying is that faith is communal. Faith belongs to all of us. And whenever Paul is missing, there's something lacking in their faith. And when they're not with Paul, there's something lacking in Paul's faith that drives him to want to come see them face to face. Faith is communal. Community builds up our faith and leads us to faith. I'll give you just a quick example. 
So when, when I think back on my childhood and the things that I loved, that I still love, you do that too, quick thought experiment. Think back to like something that you love, that you're passionate about now, that you kind of, you can look back and you can see this is where it started growing like several years ago. Think about those. I'm gonna almost 100% guarantee that that was tied up with community. I'm a huge basketball fan. I like to play basketball. I don't get a chance to watch too much basketball anymore, but I just, I, I love basketball. Well, why is that? It wasn't just random. It wasn't like I was walking down the street one day and I thought, you know what would be cool? Basketball, let's try that out. You know, what happened was is I had a group of friends when I was growing up who loved basketball. And I love basketball and they love basketball and we would get together and we would play basketball. And when they were there, it was fun. When they weren't there, it was less fun, but I could work on my game. But basketball was all about this group of guys. I'll give you another less accessible, more nerdy example. So I, I love all kinds of music, and, and I say that as a, as a true postmodern. Like my, my music playlist includes everything from Gregorian chant to hip-hop and everything in between. One of the, one of the, one of the types of music that I, that I begin to love when I was in junior high is classical music. I mean like Mozart and Haydn and Bach and Beethoven. And the reason why is because I had a small group of nerdy friends in junior high who all love classical music. They were super well-rounded guys. They all love sports too. But I, to this day, I love classical music, and that would not have happened if I did not have that community. My love of classical music is built up by other lovers of classical music. And this is, the, the same is true about our faith. Look, my faith in Jesus Christ is built up by you guys. I need you guys. There's something lacking in my faith if you don't exist. Look, if this is just this like building where I come and I pray to Jesus by myself, it's better than nothing. It's better than not having Jesus. But there's something missing if you guys aren't in my life. And this is why community, so community's not the only factor that we need, okay? There's basically three factors that we need. We need intellectual engagement, you need to know the truth of the gospel. You need to be wanting to explore the truth of the gospel intellectually. You need to be wanting to study your Bibles and learn more and more. You also need emotional engagement. You need to feel the power of Jesus. You need to feel the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not always the same feeling either because that's the way relationships work. It's not always like this rush of ecstasy. Sometimes it's pensiveness. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's painful. But it's, we need to feel that if you're not feeling it, you're not experiencing it. And community, these three things. If you are missing out on any one of those three things, especially if, if you're missing out on any one of those three things, okay, I'm going to make a rough generalization. And then somebody's going to say, well, I can give you the exception that shows you're wrong. And I, I, you totally could. If you're missing out on one of these three things, you feel the gap. You might be like, you know what? I'm a Christian, but there's something missing. Like if you're intellectually into the faith and you have community, but you, you never feel what it is to be connected to Jesus, you feel that you're missing something. If you, if you are emotionally, if you have emotional, powerful experiences of Jesus, and you're intellectually connected to the faith, but you don't have community, you're gonna feel that you're missing something. If you're missing two out of those three, I am concerned that you are going to fall away. That at some point you're gonna be like, I, this isn't for me. That's what happens a lot of times. I've told you guys this before. People will have, they'll have some sort of like experience of Jesus, and maybe it's a community. Maybe it's like they make a bunch of Christian friends and they're like, you know what, I'm in on this. But they never grow intellectually. They never study and they never learn to come to worship and like experience the power of Jesus emotionally. They end up falling away. Some people have powerful emotional experiences, 
but they never grow intellectually. They never get connected to community. They fall away. Some people have rational experiences. You know, they read the, uh, the Francis Schaeffer book or the Dorothy Sayers book, and they're like, I think Christianity is true. But they never build community. They never learn to love Jesus. They fall away. You need all three of those. Do not think that community is unimportant. You have to have community. There's a reason why Paul says here that my presence with you is going to build up what's lacking in your faith is because that's what community does. Some of us struggle with our faith because we're missing one of these elements. Community might be one of them. Uh, by the power of the gospel, get it fixed. Thankfully, there's lots of opportunities. There's community groups here. Community groups are vital. To be involved in a group of people, like so if you come to church and you say hi to people and then you go home and you, you, know, you try to be a good Christian, you try to live a life of faith, you try to be honest, those sorts of things. Maybe you even try to study your Bible every once in a while. You're missing out on the body of Christ that's happening here that Paul is calling us to. Community groups is a great way to do this. Community groups is a great way to get involved in people's lives where they know you and you know them and you're accountable to them. They know that the things that you struggle with. They know the things that make you happy. There's Bible studies that we have here. There's a men's Bible study that which, can function, which functions this way as well. There's a women's Bible study on Saturday. If you want to do it on your own, go do it on your own. But you need Christian community. It is non-negotiable. If you think that you can be a Christian on your own, you can't. And you're feeling it now. Your heart craves it. Jump into it. If you have any questions, come and ask me. Christian community leads us into faith in Christ. But by the way, so I, this is another thing too that I've always been, I've been kind of like kicking around in my head. So we've been struggling with um, you know, the, the whole virus nonsense and the, the, the evil that that is. And lots of us, I'm going to guess that there's probably about, like just statistically, uh, I'm just spitballing with you guys now at this point. There's maybe 30% of us who have not yet started coming back to church. And a chunk of those are people who, because of their health, they can't. Because of uh, um, uh, health uh, compromising issues, they can't, so they watch online. Some people, though, who I, I know are just like, they're used to kind of like, you know, it's easy. I can roll over and grab my phone off the nightstand and pop on YouTube and, and watch church. And I'm super glad for that. I'm super glad for that. And I've kind of debated like, do I say something? Do I say like, you need to come back to church. You need to be here. You need the sacrament. And those, are, those things are true. But can I say something different right now? Can, can I say what Paul's saying? There's something in my faith that's lacking when you're not in my life. And now I'm not just talking about church attendance now. I'm talking about when you keep me at a distance, I need you. I need you. I'm not, I'm not even saying you need me. That's, that's more up for grabs. I'm less convinced of that. I am convinced that I need you and that there's something missing in my faith when you aren't engaged with me personally, when we're not living life together. I desperately need it. I need the sanctification that only your spiritual gift can give me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Angela is not enough. Now, I, I know that I'm striking hard at the Victorian idol of the American family and the family values. Angela is not enough. My kids are not enough. They don't have every spiritual gift. And there are parts of my life that need to be whittled away and sanded down by the grace of Jesus Christ, and he's called you to do it. You guys have the spiritual gifts that I need to make me more like Jesus. Can, can I beg you? Please give me that. I need that. Christian community leads me in growth of faith. Second thing it does, Christian community leads us and it grows us. It's how God grows us in holiness as well. Check out verse 12 and 13. 
Verse 12 and verse 13 say what looks like to be radically different things. Not radically, but very, very different things. Verse 12 is about community. He says this, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So it's all about Christian community, right? God help the, Paul, Paul prays, God help the church to love each other more and more like I love them. Then verse 13, look at this. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. Verse 12 is about community. Verse 13 is about holiness. And the temptation might be, to be so what's the connection between community and holiness? Is there one? Well, that so that, at the beginning of verse 13, that connector there where it says so that, shows you that community, Paul prays that we would have community so that we would be holy. Commu- you see what he's saying? Community leads to holiness. Some of you struggle with sins. You struggle with sins that you fight against and you don't get victory. And one of the, some of the medicine that you need that you're not getting is Christian community. Like I said a few minutes ago, like Angela's constantly working on me, right? The kids are constantly working on me, more, more or less unwillingly, working on me to, 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 get, to, to make me a better human being. But like, I need your spiritual gifts to shape me and to make me more holy. That's the way holiness works, is it grows, holiness always grows out of community. Give me an example. Think about any one of the Ten Commandments. Pick a Ten Commandment. Let's pick, for the sake of argument, let's pick thou shalt not steal. There's two ways, so, so let's say that I, I want to steal. There are two ways that I can work on this sin issue in my life. The first way is the law way. I can say, Aaron, you're not going to steal today. Do not steal today. But, but, but those of you who have grappled with your own personal brokenness know that this doesn't work. Like, you can look in the mirror in the morning and say, okay, do not lose your temper today. Do not get frustrated with your coworkers today. You know that you're just wasting your breath, right? Do not lust today. Do, do, do not make money more important than people today. It's just, you're just wasting your breath, like telling yourself, just do better, right? That's the first way. The second way is this. The second way is the gospel way, which is actually the more successful way. And the gospel way is this. Jesus died for your sins. He loved you so much that he died for, for, for your sins and rose from the dead to give you the power to love other people, right? So I, this, I gave this example several weeks ago. Like if somebody gave you a billion dollar check and then a friend came up and said, hey, I, 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 I'm, I'm in kind of a jam. Can you give me 10 bucks? Can you loan me 10 bucks? You would just say, here, have 10 bucks, right? Because you'd been given so much money that you can just give the 10, you don't, you don't even need the 10 bucks. You can give it away. That's what it's talking about here. If, if, if you are so convinced that Jesus loves you no questions asked, you will be liberated to love other people in the exact same way. And that will lead to holiness. Look, here's the way Paul says it in Romans chapter 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. So love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, any other commandment, are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You see what he's saying there? He's saying this. If I love you, I won't try to steal your wife. If I love you, I won't try to steal your money. If I love you, I won't have schadenfreude when bad things happen to you. If I love you, I won't be kind of like, oh, I wish that was me, when good things happen to you. If I love you, I won't lose my temper when you get your way instead of me. If I love you, I will be holy. If I love you, I will be obeying the Ten Commandments. What's the key to holiness? To to love each other. Christian community is the key to holiness. 
Some of us struggle with anger, and you know why? It's because we don't get involved in other people's lives enough. So, say it this way. Like, if I'm angry at you, the antidote is not to try to stop being angry. The antidote is get to know you and love you so that being angry at you is unthinkable. If I'm jealous of your success, the antidote is not to be like, Aaron, stop being jealous. The antidote is to get to know you and love you so that your success makes me happy. The gospel does what the law can't. And the gospel works in Christian community. It's Christian community. That's why he says, I want you guys to love each other so that you'll be holy. That's the second thing. Third thing, community is how God grows us in perseverance. This is the line I referenced at the beginning of the sermon, very last line of our reading. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Establish us until the coming of Jesus Christ. It's community that does this. Community builds us, up in pers- it per- builds us up in faith. It builds us up in holiness. It also builds us up in perseverance. That's what he's saying. Love each other so that you're holy and you can stay faithful to the very end. This isn't even, this isn't even like a biblical principle. This is just good common sense. If anybody in here ever decides, okay, I'm gonna start working out now. I'm gonna persevere enough to get in shape. If anybody in here decides, you know what? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna persevere enough to save enough money to pay off my credit card debt. Or if anybody is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to persevere and I'm going to diet, you know that basically for most of us, the only way to get that done is to have accountability partners. I mean, this, is, this, is just, this isn't something that, this isn't church stuff. This is just good common sense. This is what Paul is saying here. You want to persevere to the end? Be in community. You know what I'm saying? I'll give you a practical example. I'll give you a practical example. And I, I hesitate to do this too because I don't like, same thing I said about coming to church. I don't want to lay law on people. You know, I, I, I want people to do what's right in, between them and God. And it's the same thing here. Um, uh, perseverance. I, whenever, whenever I'm in a church service, and I've been in all kinds of church services, whenever I'm in a church service and there's hymns or praise songs being sung and, or, you know, the creeds being said together or prayers being prayed together, and everybody's kind of like, oh. it's totally such a downer. You know, you know why? Because it totally sends the vibe that nobody in here believes this. When I'm in, when I'm in a worship service where when the creeds are said, people are like into it, and they're saying it because they believe it, and they're saying it like, so like if I, if, if I say, so if I say this to you, let me give, I'll give you an example here, just a backwards example. This is the pastor doing it now. If I say, Jesus loves you. If I say it like that, you're kind of left to try and, right, try and what, does he, what does he mean by that? If I say Jesus loves you, my conviction serves to fuel your conviction. What I worry about is unbelievers coming in and nobody really cares and it sends them the vibe. Like why? Like if I was an unbeliever and I would go into some churches, I would be like, do they, what's going on here? If they don't believe it, why are they showing up in this room and saying this stuff? Your conviction that the gospel is true as my community fuels my conviction that it's true. Whenever you guys say, I believe in Jesus, it convinces me one more time that Jesus is worth believing in. It causes me to last for another week, another day. It causes me to last into the next community group, or to the next Bible study, or the next worship service. If I know that you guys are all in, in that I belong to you and you belong to me, it fuels me being all in perseverance. God uses Christian community to grow perseverance. Last thing will be done. 
God also used this Christian community to grow us in praise. So faith, holiness, perseverance, and finally praise. Look back at verse 9. Like I said, this is verses 9 and 10, one long rhetorical question. Uh, with the answer, you know, he says, what thanksgiving can we give? The answer is like, you can't, there's no thanksgiving that we could give that could match up with the joy that we have knowing that you guys believe in Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying community leads to praise. When I know that you guys, when I know that God is doing great things in your life, it pulls me into praising. And for those of you, no show of hands, for those of you who are involved in some sort of community group, maybe it's the Tuesday morning study or the Saturday morning study, maybe it's one of the three community groups, maybe it's youth group on Tuesday night, you know that you start to develop this rhythm that when good things happen to people and God is doing good things to people, there have been moments in community group when there's like spontaneous applause. Why is that? Is it some sort of like, is there a rule that like in community group when people, you know, act happy when people, no, what happens is you, love, you learn to love people, you get involved in community, and you start to learn to praise God for the good things that he's doing for other people. It pulls you into worship. Community pulls you into worship. Let me close with this last line. This is from a New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright. He's an Anglican scholar. And he says this about this text. He says, what Paul is doing here in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 3 is he's thanking God for his community and he's praying to God for his community simultaneously. He's simultaneously praying to God for them and thanking God for them. And, and, and Wright says this, perhaps this serves as a good model for missionary and pastoral work or any kind of like life in the Christian church. Community group work, youth group work, whatever it is, this can function as a good model. Here's what it is. When praying, to think back in the presence of God through one's entire relationship with the church. Make this a habit of your prayer life. And you can't do it if you don't have community, all right? You can't do it if you don't know what God's doing in other people's lives. If you don't know that the pain that other people are going through, you can't do this. If you don't know the joys that other people are going through, you can't do this. If all you know is what you're telling yourself, and by the way, 30-second commercial, if you are relying on yourself to convince yourself that Christianity is true, you are going to fall away because there are times when the haze between us and God is so thick that the thought that he even exists is unthinkable. It's in that moment when you need somebody else coming alongside of you and saying, look, I'll carry this doubt for both of us. I'm here and I love you and I'm telling you God loves you too. Sometimes you need that. You need community. If you don't though, you're never going to get to the point where you can live in the joys and in the pains of other people, the joys and pains that pull you into praise. And, and Wright says this, think back in the presence of God through one's entire relationship with your church, mulling it over, learning to see God's strange design and what's gone on, earnestly asking God to complete and bring to perfection the work he has begun, a life of praise and worship to God that flows out of community. Let's stand and let's pray and let's do that right now. And then we'll have communion together. Let's pray. God, I personally thank you for uh, St. James Lutheran Church. I personally thank you for my community group. I thank you for uh, pulling me closer to you in faith through my brothers and sisters in Christ. And when my faith is weak, when I have doubts, when I get kind of cynical and jaded about the possibility of you doing gracious work, I've got my brothers and my sisters to pull me up with their faith. I thank you for the perseverance that you encourage in me by watching my brothers and sisters persevere. I thank you for the holiness that you've built up in me by teaching me to love in your community. 
Father, all of this is a good gift of you. Will you keep on doing it, Father? Will you keep on giving yourself to me and my brothers and sisters in this church? Help all of us to learn to rely upon this spiritual gift, the, the capital S spiritual gift, which are the spiritual gifts, Father, this relationship that you've given us with each other. Lord, in your mercy. Father, I thank you so much for uh, the mission that you've given us and thinking about um, um, Miriam's mission this morning and the other missions we've got and uh, the mercy ministries that we have and uh, what you've called us as a church here to do, not just in Glen Carbon, but now um, all over the country, all over the world, Father, with our missionaries. Will you keep on working through us to bring about uh, your kingdom more and more, to, to magnify your name, to glorify yourself, and to, uh, to, to bring us closer to you as we see you work in mission. We need you to do this, Father. We want you to do your mission here in Glen Carbon and allow us to be a part of it. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we pray for everyone this morning who's struggling with diseases and sickness and broken bodies and people who are just struggling with uh, relational fractures and with financial issues, people who are uh, grappling every day, getting up in the morning and grappling with the beast that is anxiety and depression and uh, other mental struggles. Father, would you bless all of us? Would you give us healing? Would you allow this community to be a part of that healing, Father? May we find hope and comfort and, and, and some degree of solace in our, our love for each other, uh, mirroring and reflecting your love for us. Lord, in your mercy. Father, we thank you most of all for your son, for his death, for his resurrection, for the guarantee now that his kingdom will grow, for the guarantee that we'll finally be raised on the last day and that all things will be made new, for the promise that we are your people and that you've made us his colony here in the present, in, in the present age. Father, we, we, this is just such an immense gift, the fact that we can even stand here and talk to you right now, the fact that you hear us. On top of that, the fact that you hear us as dear children, the fact that you hear us as fathers hear their children. We pray this in your son's name because he makes this possible. He's united us to himself by his blood, and now we are your daughters and sons through him. We pray this in his name. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together in Jesus' name, the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And not into temptation, Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of all your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. You may be seated.
true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you and keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Depart in Christ's peace. Amen. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of your people Israel. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Build community, like right now having conversations, confident that the conversations are growing you in your faith, growing you in your holiness, growing you in your perseverance, growing you in your praise. Go in peace.